if you actually believe you can mess this up, if you actually believe that you have no command over your own life or no say, or that you're powerless, what is the point of more information? Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey everyone, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm sitting down with Paige Filiator. She is the brilliant, successful business strategist and human potential expert. And that's the part that I'm so excited to talk to her about is what is this concept of human design and what is it saying about our path in business long before we even set out on this business journey. You're going to find there's actually some shortcuts that you could be taking, but instead we're taking the long, difficult road, pushing the boulder up the hill as she explains, and she is going to shine a lot of light on how to make it easier for you. Now, Paige is not only an expert in human design and how it affects your life and your business, she has an extraordinary story about growing up on, quote, the wrong side of the tracks and what it meant for her money mindset, how it's affected her money mindset today, and even better, how she's been able to shift those stories. As a matter of fact, stay with us all the way towards the end because two really cool things get talked about at the end. Number one, this brilliant idea of a juice cafe that they started and is thriving and the prices are pay what you can afford. Talk about a concept that comes from generosity. How amazing is that? So you're going to, you definitely want to hear about that. But also Paige shares with us a very specific tool to reset our own limiting money stories. So make sure you stay with us towards the end because you don't want to miss out on those two pieces of greatness. She is a multiple seven-figure business owner herself, and she believes that energy trumps strategy every single time, and she's going to prove it to you. So listen up, get excited because this episode is full of breakthroughs. Paige, my friend, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Seriously, my I've been really excited to do this interview because we were introduced, I guess, virtually via Amanda Bucci as at a lunch with her and, and my wife. And she was raving about you and showing us this really cool DNA, predict your future kind of thing that I'm sure we'll yeah. get into later. And it's like, oh, I have to interview this woman. I started following you and you were epic. So I'm pretty excited. Thank you. Thank you. So I start my show with rapid fire. It's just kind of a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And then if something really good comes up, we'll, we'll turn back around. We'll do a deep dive later. How's that sound? That's fine. Okay. Starting real easy. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Marion, Ohio. And where are you now? Columbus, Ohio. Ooh, Midwest for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I know I said rapid fire, but I'm going on a tangent already. I'm from the Midwest and I love Columbus. I'm from Wisconsin, but I always go there for an event each year. And it's like the cleanest, nicest, most awesomely redone city. Oh, they're going to appreciate that. The construction is... Ugh, I was having a moment the other day. But other than that, I love it here. I love it so much. There is a lot of construction. I'll give you that. Yeah. Favorite quote? I would say it's from you know Leaves of Grass, which is just, I celebrate and sing myself. Mm, beautiful. What is one of your superpowers? Intimacy. 
What is one of your favorite books? The Physics of Miracles. What is one thing you're challenged by right now? Intimacy. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny how sometimes our superpowers are what challenge us? There's no coincidence there. (laughs) Who is someone who's changed your life? My mother. Oh, a couple more. What is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments this far? My children. Mm, Beautiful. And what is something generous you've done recently? We had a polar vortex here. And so gathered some clothes for the homeless and passed them out. What a beautiful thing to do. That polar vortex was no joke. I mean, I I watched it from California, but it was no joke. No, it wasn't. Lots of people were in, in jeopardy. So their lives were in jeopardy. So last but not least, what are you grateful for today? Oh my gosh. I'm just grateful for infinite insight and breakthrough. It's just all day long. I thought you were going to say intimacy again. When you start to say infinite, I'm like, all right, well, we got a theme we're talking about today. around intimacy. I mean, it's a big part of my life. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so let's go a little bit deeper now. I'm really excited. I saw an interview. I forget if it was an interview article, something like that. But I saw somewhere that you referred to yourself as having grown up on, quote, the other side of the tracks. Can you kind of Mm -hmm. take us back there? What do you mean by this? So literally in Marion, Ohio, (laughs) like the the city is divided by railroad tracks. (laughs) And so... I grew up on the west side and that is where it's more of the industrial side. So my parents worked in a factory and that's where the factory was. And that is actually where the steel plant is. Um, So a lot of the industrial stuff and it was not the white collar side of town essentially. And how did that kind of start to shape you in early age? You know, I didn't realize how much it shaped me, but I'm learning now how it's playing out in my life around money. And, you know, I was always told that I couldn't go to the school where all of my friends were because I would never fit in. You know, I would never have the clothes or the money and things like that. And so I've noticed that that's always been a story for me is that money equals fitting in or not having it equals not fitting in. So that's kind of shaped my life. And then this fear around not making money or this fear around making money and losing my connection to my family. Because, you know, we can always sit around all day and just talk about not having enough until I don't, until I have enough for everybody and I have enough. You know, I build a new story for the family. I, my fear was that I would lose that connection. So it's actually, it shaped my life quite a bit, but also a lot about working hard. And I think as society, as a society, we have this story about you work hard. And that's that you have to earn things. Mm. And I don't necessarily believe that um, as an adult in the way that I did when I was a kid. So I think so many people suffer from that same story. Absolutely. You so make it really hard. Your early 20s, and I'm going to circle back around on so much you said, money okay. equals fitting in, et cetera. But in your early 20s, things were not exactly, let's say, on an up and up track, were they? No, no, no. So in my early 20s, okay, so at 23... I got my second DUI. So in my early 20s, I got two DUIs. I, because I was just drinking to, I was so lost and just drinking to numb. Now I know why, you know, obviously. And I was waitressing, went to jail a couple of times because of the DUIs, waitress for seven years. There were no indicators, you know, externally from the people around me that I would be where I am now. Let's put it that way. That's crazy. Did anything inside of you have a hunch that you would be where you are now? And let me frame this as this wildly successful, like badass business expert. Yeah, I always knew. I didn't know what. I just knew there was more. And I knew... So everybody growing up would always say she has so much potential. She has so much potential. And I always felt that too. 
but I didn't know what that meant. And so really how this business came about and you know what I do now is just being really curious about what is potential. And so yeah, I've always known that I had potential and that I would you know, I I joke about how when I was little I used to play single mom CEO. Like in like my room was in the basement and I would pretend to have my baby on my hip and then like go into my apartment from a long day at the work in my corner office. And I mean, I guess I started creating this when I was really, really little. But yeah, I, I didn't know what it would be, but I knew that I would get there. Paige, that is not weird. When I was in middle school, I would daydream. And I mean like in-depth daydreaming about being a quote businessman. Now, I didn't know what the hell, you know, pretty generic term, right? But I'm telling you, it's real. It's inside of you when you're a kid. Or you're creating it. You know, that's manifestation and creation is that daydreaming and thinking about it. And I don't know what your human design is, but there are types where that's really all you have to do is just have the idea and contemplate it. And then things will present themselves or present it things in your life for you to respond to, say yes to, and then do the thing. So that's kind of what we did. So somewhere around 25, this all shifted for you. Take us there. Uh, so I was, this, I, it's so funny when I tell a story. I was driving in the car on the way to Applebee's and to work my shift. And I heard Katy Perry's firework. And there's just something inside of me that was like, I am, a, what am I doing with my life? I am a firework. What do I do? Like, what do I want to do? And it was a holy moment. And I said, well, I could be a paralegal. I always wanted to be a lawyer, you know, you know, not always, but at one point in my life I wanted to be a lawyer. And everybody in my life thought I would be, because I'm pretty charming and diplomatic and analytical. And so I did I did say out loud I wanted to be a paralegal. And then all of a sudden an opportunity presented itself to me like two days later. And I said, sure. So I became a paralegal, but I did it in domestic law and criminal law. And that was soul sucking mm-hmm. for somebody that really loves human beings and really experiences other people suffering while the people the people are suffering. And so my escape was blogging and like expressing myself through my clothes and what I was wearing and really just living my life and then externalizing it. And through that social media I found organic social media and then I became an expert at social media at the time and then one day I woke up in the middle of the night one night I woke up and I couldn't imagine like in the pit of my, I had the biggest pit in my stomach. And I was like, I can't imagine waking up and going to this job tomorrow, not knowing that I was, there was an exit plan. So I called my boss at midnight and quit and gave her a month's notice. Whoa. Yeah. And so, cause I loved her. I helped her build that firm. That was my first experience building a business. And um, the last, my last day, like the minute the job was gone, the net was gone. Like the net was gone. I got my first paying client. Then social media turned into paid traffic. I like to make people money because then people are more willing to give you money <laughs> if they can track it, <laughs> you know, that you're making them money. So true. And so I started that and essentially realized that people were, that some companies were getting results and the others weren't, even though they were completely the same on paper. It didn't make any sense to me. So I started learning about human potential and energy. And all of the things we don't say and all just not what we're doing, but who we're being. So working with the CEOs and understanding how they were different. And that's how I found human design. Okay, let's talk about human design a little bit because this is what intrigued me so mm-hmm. much about you. What is human design and what are the like the crash course cliff notes that people need to know? Yeah. 
So human design is a it's a system made up of many different systems. So uh, quantum physics, which I'm like such a quantum physics geek, and uh, I Ching, the chakras, astrology, and they're all combined into this essentially the map of your vehicle, you know, this body that you chose and everything is energy. So even our physical body is made up of energy and it's our auric body and or it creates our auric body. So actually your human design, if you look at it, you can see your matrix, your field, your aura. And you can also see your genes and the subconscious. That to me, it was like flow hacking and life hacking because it was, you know, we we do all this personal development work to figure out what our subconscious beliefs are. They're right there in our human design. I mean, obviously you still uncover them as you go, but the different expressions of them. But that's essentially what human design is, is a system of your um your vehicle. And I liken it to IKEA furniture. It's like your instructions to live your life with the least amount of resistance possible. And so with IKEA furniture, like you're going to eventually figure out if you don't look at the instructions, you're going to eventually figure out how to put it together. Like you're going to be able to put this in the slot, but it may be wrong and you have to go back and start again. And there's just a lot of resistance. With human design, you can bypass all of that and just follow your, your instruction booklet. And there are five types. This is the very simplified version of human design. I mean, there are colleges on this. The very simplified version of this is there's five types. And each type has a strategy for how they interact with the world and move through the world. And if they just follow that, life is much easier than it has been. What are the five types? There's a manifester. There's a generator. There's a manifesting generator, which is essentially a hybrid of the two, but is its own type. Uh, projector and reflector. And which one are you? I'm a manifesting generator. I wonder which one what I am. I took the test and I can't remember. I uh, swear I, I am a... You've got to be a generator or a manifesting generator. Yeah, as you say, I think it was a manifesting generator. Yeah. So what does that say about me? Um, it says you've led a very non-linear life. It says you're here to live life by example and to be an example to others of a non-linear life. So true. Um, yeah, it says that you... You know, you get to have an idea and then you get to go have fun and do things you enjoy. And that if that idea is correct for you, something in your external environment is going to show up and you get to then respond yes or no, like, uh-huh, uh-uh. So life can be just so fun if you can surrender. So, um, and you also are very efficient. Mm. I'm assuming you like the simplest path. I do. Um, yeah, manifesting generators can get things done very quickly and very efficiently. Um, not great delegators because we'd get it done faster ourselves. Do you know what's funny? My wife always tells me, Chris, there's nothing wrong with what you're saying. It's the method in which you're delivering it that sucks. And what she really means is I take the shortest path to a message possible and it won't <laughs> land on her that way. But to me, I don't know any other way. I mean, I do now because I practiced. But at first, I just couldn't imagine why anybody would want to communicate any less efficiently than that. Yeah, and I'm, what I'm imagining happens. So with manifesting generators, they will find the shortest path, but they'll skip really important steps and kind of have to go back and work on it. So I imagine in your communication, it was so direct that sometimes you would miss, you would leave out really important things to the other person, or to deliver the message in a way that could be more well received or in a more comfortable way. That's exactly what it was going down. We had to <laughs> practice communication or we wouldn't be married today, just, you know, being that we're entrepreneurs together. So yeah. 
I guess my next logical question is I remember taking this test and reading mm-hmm. it being like, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. And then Lori took it and she's like, that's me, but this isn't. And this makes mm-hmm. sense, but this doesn't. So how come once in a while we will get the results to this type of a test and feel like it really isn't speaking about us? Is that us denying the true us or is it something different? Well, I don't want to speak truth you know, over Lori's life, obviously, but <laughs> um, we have- How about just a friend of mine asked? <laughs> okay. Okay. This friend. Um, no. Um, so we have a part of us that's our not self. So anywhere that we're open, it's where we are kind of, mm, we are bringing in conditioning from other people, the, the self of other people we're absorbing and we think that it's us. So one explanation for that could be that she's been, there are certain parts of her that are not self, but they have been so a part of her for her whole life that she thinks that they are. Mm, That makes so much sense for both of us, really. Yeah, and so that can be hard, especially if somebody's very open because they're really not self. They're very conditioned by their environment. And secondly, she just may not resonate right now with it. I've had a lot of people that that have you know been resistant to it in certain aspects of it and they came back around a year later and they they finally it, it resonates finally. Mm, that makes it so how does this affect our business? Like is this the shortcut to being a better business person? Let's, let's kind of steer it that way. Well, you know if you're if you're living if you're living at your highest expression as a human then your business I mean there's no compartmentalizing business. every time I try to I just fail when I try to compartmentalize like, okay, I'm just having relationship issues. I'm not having business issues. And then I see like the exact same thing happening just in a different context. So living your life. So I work with CEOs and you know, an advice I gave to one of the CEOs was to sleep separate from his partner because he's a non-energy type and she is an energy, she's an energetic type. So she's got energy all day long. And when they're sleeping together, his body can't get the rest that it needs. Like it's designed for rest. And he was exhausted when he woke up, short-tempered. His essentially his nervous system was short circuit. And we know, we know what that does to you, how sick that can make you. And so when he did that, that one hack and that one tweak in his life changed his life so dramatically, changed his relationship that he brought me into the entire company. And so it can affect your business in many different ways. Your your natural way of communicating. So as a manifesting generator is to inform people and to, to ask yes or no questions, but to also have people ask you yes or no questions and to inform you of what's going on. So if people aren't telling you what's going on or you aren't getting an end of day or a beginning of day from your team, or you don't know what people are working on, that's very destabilizing for you. When people ask you open-ended questions, it's inf- it's infuriating to me. So I'm like, just ask me a yes or no question. You'll get an answer much more quickly. This is amazing. So if you're in any kind of leadership role, or if you have a mm-hmm. team that you've put together or anything, this is like a must know. Yeah, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the difference between this and Myers-Briggs and, and the Colby is this is not mental. You can't manipulate your answers. It doesn't change over time as you get more information. Um, this is who you are. This is in, Where can people take the test? You can go to jovianarchive.com. You can go to mybodygraph.com. You can Google human design. Essentially, it's going to give you the, the same results. And then how they decipher those results. 
each of those places is, are probably going to give you a report. I like Jovian Archives report. I feel like it's a little bit more grounded, but there's a lot of information. So I do recommend doing some type of reading or one-on-one -on -one with somebody that can not only read the results for you, but can give you multiple examples of how it's been lived and experienced through other people because you really need context with this. You know how I'm giving you like actual real life examples. Mm -hmm. That's really important with this work. And it's also very important that the person can hold space for you while you're processing this. I don't do, I don't personally do one-off readings because it's not about the information will give you a breakthrough, yes, but the transformation comes from implementation, mm. and that takes time. That makes sense. So, is this what you mean when you say energy Trump strategy? I think I've heard that out of you a couple times. Yeah, yeah. that's so exactly. No matter what how I mean. good our strategy is, like we get the strategy coach, and they're like, "Here's how you build your funnel, and here's how you do your Facebook ads." And is that all good for nothing if we don't master our energy? Uh, I don't want to say it's not good for nothing. I don't say it's, yeah, it's good for nothing, but it's essentially like if you push a boulder long enough, it will move. Like it will, like the strategy might work over time. But if you just tweak the strategy to your energy or you get in the correct energy, it won't matter what strategy you use. So, ironically, with the human design, we all have a cross, and that's essentially our mission that we kind of accepted when we came here. And mine is the juxtaposition cross of strategy. Interesting. Okay. So I, I love to strategize. A crazy question just came up for me because I know that you were born in a really restrictive or not restrictive, but serious religious situation, right? It wasn't restrictive, but it was very religious. And my, my, that side of my family is not my, my immediately, my parents are no longer practicing, but that entire side of my family is extremely religious. Yes. Okay. So here's where I'm going with that. Mm hmm. People that might uh, be more religious than others that are listening, they may not be comfortable with you know this type of subject or this type of it's predisposed based on when you're born and where you're born, all these things. Yeah. How do you kind of tie the knot between those two opposing views? Mm, yeah, I just ask, you know, do you think that you had no mission when you came? Do you think you had no purpose? Do you think you know what? I, that's my question: Is you think God had no purpose for you? Yeah, of course. Here, you know, and to me, that's what the human design is. It's a clear night and day. This is what God wanted for you, or this is what you co-created with God. And in my opinion, that's and God is source, infinite, whatever it is for you. There's an infinite intelligence. There is something that you were working with. We're never alone. And so, in my opinion, that's just all human design is. Is um, there's always free will always free will. And yes, we can surrender, but are we free to surrender if we believe that a God chose all of this for us? Do we have choice? So to me, at the end of the day, it's just God's plan for you. If that's if that's how you want to hit that angle, then it's God's plan for you. Oh, wait. And you get to, you get you get God's plan laid out right in front of you. So hold on, hold on, hold on. So if there is a plan with an end result, right? No matter what I do, I'm gonna end up right here. Then, um, I think you're going to end up in, not no matter what you do. So oh, you're going to get me going. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I don't know how you feel, but, you know, have you, how do you feel about, you know, multiple lives or that we've lived past lives? I read a book called Many Lives, Many Masters. And ever since then, I swear that 
it's a given that we live multiple lives. Yeah. So I think we have, I believe that we have an ultimate mission here. And yeah, you will go an entire life learning and doing and pushing and struggling. And no, we won't hit that mission. You know, we won't ultimately reach it, but then we'll just come back and go again. And we'll just keep coming back until we get it. Like I always joke, I'm like, this is it, y'all. Like I'm done. This is my <laughs> last go. Like I'm not, like I'm not resisting this anymore. Like, what's my mission? Give it to me. Give me the map. I'm doing it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so you have something called the play method. What is that? Yeah. Uh so with human design, a lot of what I talk about is you it's really about having fun with life and letting life move through you. That's what flow is. Literally, the word flow is like flowing with the wind. So flowing with life. So letting life move through you. So really life is is supposed to be about play and fun and then things just kind of coming to you and then the correct action being laid out and then you taking it. And so play is really the science behind that. So P is quantum mechanics and how to actually play with energy, play with reality creation and and play. And then L is leverage. So that's more of the human design. So we bring in the human design at that point because the information will mean and do nothing for you if you are a slave to it. Mm. If you actually believe you can mess this up, if you actually believe that you have no command over your own life or no say or that you're powerless, what is the point of more information? And so P is really about that. And then L is leveraging your human design to work for you uh, and not against you. And then A is acceleration. So that's pulling your human design into business and getting clear about your core offer, your messaging, your marketing. And then Y is yielding, which is essentially surrender. The science of surrender, the art and science of surrender, because essentially that's what we have to do. We have to be okay with not knowing. Yes, we can have a strategy and a solid strategy. And yes, we can take action on it, but we have to also be okay with it coming through however it comes through because usually infinite intelligence, God has a a way more exciting and delightful plan for how that can come through. And I always joke, it's like people are more attached to the how than they are the the what. They want the how. They don't like, do you want the outcome or do you want the how? It's interesting. Like, they they say they want the outcome, but they're so damn attached to the how. Oh, absolutely. That's because that's ego, that's control, that's all of those things. And so surrendering is really no, give it to me. Like, what is it that I want? So even like in my personal life, if I uh, I was I'm going through a separation and you know, my whole life got turned upside down probably like 90 to you know, 180 days ago. But it's because I was on my knees like, this is what I, I'm here to do. Like I said, I have a mission. I'm done. I'm doing this. Just do it, like whatever needs to be moved around, however you can put me in position for my favor, do it. And so that's surrender, being okay with the reality that you're currently in changing. You know, what is what is favor, which is your design, your gift, whatever it is. When you're not in position in position to express it, so like if you're great at violins, what's what's the point of being great at violins if you're in a room full of pianos? Oh my God, what a good analogy! I so love you've that. Be, yeah, you've got to be okay with your circumstances changing, or you know, people just they just can't handle change, and that's basically what I'm teaching and 
in the last bit is cool. You have all this information. Now you have to like be okay with none of it working. I feel like this is totally me. I'll get so attached, not as bad as some people, but I'll get yeah. so attached to the how and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll feel like I, oh, I just have to muscle through it or I just have to figure out that one missing piece, right? Instead of just surrendering to maybe this isn't even the path I'm supposed to take or maybe I'm supposed to be way more open to a different route there. There's yeah, probably the an moment area where we I surrender can, is I when we are positioned and it comes so quickly when we i mean the rate of our surrender you know is the rate of what we when we get the answer oh that's pretty dang good yeah so how can people like learn more about this what now that we're like okay yeah that's me i need help what's next yeah. so they can go to page p a i g e affiliator f i l l i a t e r.com/special and you can learn more about play there you straight up have like a course on this this is my this is my signature program. Oh my god, awesome. Okay, I'm I need this. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put that link in the show notes cuz everyone right now is probably like, "Uh, I need this. Hello." Yeah, and there's a lot of support because it is it's I just went off on my stories today. Like I went off. Um because it's not a course, it's not a program, it's an experience. And if you're looking for more information, you're probably not ready for your that the next level that you're going to receive here. And so we have a lot of we have a lot of support in there because it is it's transformation work. Yeah. And that takes a lot of support. It does, yeah. And there's too many people I think that just put together a course. I know you said it's not a course, but put together a course or an yeah. event or something. And they touch on transformation work. And the problem is they don't do it in a supportive enough way. And that can almost be borderline dangerous. Oh it's it's negligent. Mm-hmm. And it's harmful if if but there's not so just breaking down each part of your system and your signature system or course or whatever you're teaching and asking yourself, you know, does this need a new skill or does this need accountability or does this need mentorship? You know, what do people need here to get the outcome, the transformational outcome? And so for us, it really is they need a lot of support the first 30 days um, emotionally. Um, and accountability. And then when they get into L, which is human design, they need more mentorship because that needs to be more customized. But transformation happens in a very intentional container. And the information needs to be uh, delivered in an empowered way and a supportive way. So you're 100% correct. I want to shift gears just real quickly here because I know in doing some of my research on you and just following you on social media now Mm -hmm. that you talk proudly about money. And you kind of share the the common goal with me of wanting to really shift that paradigm of it being an icky subject and a convers you know the conversations being held in private, so to speak. Yeah. Why is this important to you? Because it, it it's oh my gosh, why is it important? Because it was the bane of my existence growing up with my mom's stress around money. It's ever it's the root of every relationship issue I have. Because at the end of the day, my mom. All I can remember was her being stressed about money. And any time that any time that our parent is anxious or upset about something and we're that little, we we take responsibility for it or we think it's us or we start to caretake. And that transforms our adult life, you know, like how we show up in relationships. So I I show up in relationships as taking care of people. 
and not really requiring a lot in return, getting my value from taking care of people who are needy. And that all stems from my mom being stressed about money. So not having money or the shame and guilt around money or the stress around money has created trauma in my life that I'm pretty dedicated to not passing on to my children. And I think when we don't when we don't talk about things and we keep things quiet and it's the same with sex, you know, and it, when it's like this unspoken rule that it there needs to be shame then. If we're not talking, why aren't we talking about it if there's no shame? And so we automatically just get like shame byproduct around money and I just think that that's why people don't have more of it. I think it's the complete root cause of poverty. That is so fascinating. I always I joke when I'm on stages sometimes, I say, you guys would rather me talk to you about your your sex life than about your money. And it's because mm-hmm. people have made it so uncomfortable and shameful to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then like rich, you know, like I'd say old money is more guilty of this, but they don't talk about it. You know, you just don't talk about money. Like that's we don't talk about it. I'm like, yeah, because then you get to keep more of it because people aren't going to hear you talking about it. And then, you know, they're going to maintain their shame around it. And you're going to keep them poor. You know, you're going to keep them poor, but like that's going to, you know, facilitate this this shameful feeling around it. So, you know, not talking about it is a way to keep people down. Like keep keeps the hierarchy. I'm fascinated. You said that for a long time you received your value by helping other people find their value. And I think I remember seeing in your bio or or somewhere that your assistant is now you've helped her start two side hustles or two companies and. Uh, your husband, and yeah. I just overheard you say that you guys are getting separated right now, so I apologize. But he, no, had, we're gone, three, it's all good. he had gone from um, the factory to owning this really cool juice bar that you guys own together. Do you do you fix people or do you almost like shake them by the shoulders and say, why are you doing this? Go this direction. Uh, it's a little bit of both. I just posted something in my stories today about immense grace. And grace is really creating people or holding people to this, the highest version of themselves. So part of my design kind of automatically does it. You just you just kind of experience that you and you are initiated into your next level when you are in my in my space. You either like it or you don't. Obviously not everybody wants it because everybody's not ready for it. So energetically that happens. Um, but also yeah, I think that when people just see you living your life and living it without shame, they want a little bit of that and they're inspired by it. So I don't, you know, I, I am, you know, I'll break down some barriers. Like I'll say some things. Like I'll, yeah, I don't mean I don't hold back, but I also don't do it without invitation verbally. Like somebody would have to ask me for my opinion about their, their situation or their life for me the, to then energetically feel like I could just shatter their bullshit beliefs. Okay, I've got to confess. I do the same thing, except I don't even wait for their permission and I'm aware of it. And it's almost like after it falls out of my mouth, I'm trying to like gather it back up again, but it just comes out of me because I I can't see why you wouldn't want to take that skill set and go do this with it and and live this greater life and all these other things when they're like, dude, I'm just being right now. So it's an energy management thing. So you can do that all day long, but it's a waste of your time and energy because they're not hearing you. No, they're annoyed by (laughs) me. I am very aware of it. If somebody invites you, they're going to hear you. So in human design, you know, a lot of the stuff that comes off the throat is projected. It needs to be invited for it to be like the best use of the energy in your body. That's what a lot of human design is about, is about 
leveraging your energy and managing it. So I do what wait for invitation because I could say it all day long, but and it's still true, but they're not going to hear it. Um, they're not going to do anything about it. And sometimes it just like is a, the killer of the connection. Oh my gosh. Okay. Point taken. That's me. I'm going to have to be way, way more aware of this. Don't worry. The auras are talking. So you don't have to worry. Like if the person is your person and I know you're brilliant and you have these things that you, you could say, if that person is meant for it, they will ask you because your your auras, your fields, your energetics are talking. So I don't have to feel like I have to bring it up. I don't have to feel like, hey, wait, I got to save you. No, because if they if they want to hear it from you, like your auras are having a discussion and they will ask you. They will say, what do you think? Mm, I love that. Do you, th- do you feel like you've finally gotten over this feeling that money equals fitting in? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think part of me still has this belief that I won't... Because you know I have really successful friends, you know, making eight, you know, nine, 10 figures. And I'm, so there's still days of my life where I'm like, them, but not me, them, but not me. But so it's a conscious effort every day to, to notice that very ingrained belief. So do I still experience it? Yes. But am I closer to moving through it and eradicating it? Yes. What do you think the number one thing we can do when we know that we've got some old money stories to work through? What's the number one thing we can do to get through them? Well, awareness then is choice. So if we don't, mm -hmm, we don't have, we don't have true choice. We don't really, we cannot exercise free will until we're aware and then we can make a choice. So once you're aware of the actual belief, then you get to create a new role and you get to ask and to see things differently. Um, You get to ask to create a new role and then you have to consciously every day get excited and state that new role. Mm, that's pretty like powerful. The moment, the moment you hear yourself say the old rule, instead of going into shame and guilt, you can get excited that you're now aware of it. And in that excitement, it's going to create new neural pathways. And then you get to just state out loud the new rule. And then if you do that enough, you've created you've created the new rule. Now, I do have some like energetic hacks to that. But sure that's, um, it's a meditation. I'm going to actually start putting it out. But essentially, you know, taking two or three deep breaths in, and out and then in and then out and bringing your awareness to your actual heart and your chest and focusing there and then focusing on the space outside of your heart. So like just a few inches in front of it and that's the field of the heart. And when you have that that new rule, that, that old rule, like where are you experiencing discomfort in your body? Because it's going to live in your body. And then from there, pulling it out. Like I envision myself actually pulling it out of that space in my body and just placing it in that field of the heart right in front of me. And energetically, in front of you is, your, is a torsion field. It's the field of the heart. It's scientifically proven. And it's actually how we, we talk to other people, our hearts talk. But it also neutralizes things. It, it actually takes the power out of the the rule or the belief. And so once you've done that, you've neutralized it. And I want you to like anybody that's listening to this, see if you can even find that discomfort in your body now, because most people can't. And then from that space, what's the new rule? That's fascinating. I love that. Thanks. Where where can we get more of that? 
<laughs> well, if you follow me on Instagram, which is just Page Filiator, I do a little pop up things like that. Um, and then Play has a lot of that stuff. And I'm actually considering doing like a resources bundle um, with that included. That is seriously so important. Like you have to pump that out as much as possible to everybody. That is really, really important because you, you. that's a tool we can use, right? It's not just somebody preaching, oh, you've got stories and you got to do this. You gotta, I mean, that's a real tool we can use. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually did it in my stories yesterday because I was experiencing discomfort and I didn't save it to my highlights and everybody, I had like five people reach out and ask about it. So I was like, well, as a manifesting generator, I was considering it. And then I had people reach out and I was like, okay, uh-huh. So now I know I got to do it. And not just do I have to do it. When I do it, it's going to be wildly successful and very easy because I've said, uh-huh. Mm, I love that. I'm excited yeah. for you to do that more for, for, for all of us. A couple more questions because I, I want to respect your time. What yeah. role has generosity played in your success? Ugh, everything. Everything. Can you give us an example? Yeah. I mean, just when I first started, I had a Facebook group and every Monday I would just show up and do a coffee chat and just be available to whoever was in there. And just giving that to them changed lives, but it also built a real affinity and they told other people and they told other people and that really increased my business, but also increased my ability to give back. For when I was a part of the juice bar that we created, um, my husband and I, it was a, a, a social enterprise. So it was a pay what you can. So we were able to do that because of the money. And so, I mean, everything that I do, I'm always considering how I can be more generous or give give back in a way. Like philanthropy isn't like a line item. You know, it's one of the bottom lines. I was fascinated by the way, and, and I wasn't gonna bring it up, but now I will, about this juice bar where it was literally pay what you feel like you can afford to pay. You have mm -hmm. got to expand on that quick. So like, but 90% of the people paid the actual price. But there were people that came in that like a pregnant woman or just kids that came in that they couldn't afford a seven or eight dollar juice. And that felt horrific in my body. What felt the worst is that the people who need the nutrients the most that can't afford it are the people, um, are the people that can't afford it. And so we learned as much as we possibly could about WIC and about uh, food stamps and about what was available to people. And we offered cooking classes and just really like we actually taught them how to cook from what was available on WIC. And then we also said, you know, pay what you can. And a lot of most people pay, pay what you can or pay the, pay the actual amount or pay the actual amount and then buy somebody else's drink or buy somebody else's meal. And most people paid, you know, that could. And so it has worked. It's doing very well now. I think they've switched structures just a little bit. I'm not in it as much, but that worked and it built a lot of affinity, but it did what we wanted it to do, which was to get the resources to the people who needed it the most. It just did not feel good to, you know, just be serving the people that could afford to go get a celery juice anyway or to go buy the celery and buy the blender. This is amazing. I had to take a real act of, let's say, avoiding coming from a place of scarcity at first because people yeah. could have just oh, yeah. literally came in and taken advantage of you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we did deal with not that we dealt with people actually taking advantage of us, but we dealt with that fear 
for sure. We're like, what if they do? Or, you know, they some some of the people would avoid to tell people that it was a pay what you can. You know, like we could we found ourselves like not like shouting it from the rooftops. But once we did, we saw that people are inherently good. And we and I'm a big believer in, you know, you get what you expect, which is why I try not to have any expectations so I can just be like excited, <laughs> delighted all day long. And so I had to release a lot of expectations. And when I did that, I was just blown away by what, by what we actually received. And, you know, like I said, more people came in and than we ever. I mean, to to have a juice bar where we had it in a small town in Ohio that were 90% of the people, well, I think 80 to 70% of the people live under the poverty level. To to find success there, it's really unprecedented. Would you suggest people do this business model or try it? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. Oh yeah. I mean, I know a lot of other companies. There are a few, um, there's a one bistro here. That does it uh, in a restaurant model. I know John Bon Jovi has restaurants with this model. That is incredible. I, now, I I come from a place of abundance. I'm I'm asking on behalf of other people. Yeah. You know, some people's default thoughts would be, "Words going to get out, and all the cheapskates are going to come, and and I'm going to go out of business." Hmm. Hmm. Then I would encourage them to look at their. I would encourage them to look at their mind, their money mindset. Wow! Awesome I answer. Mean, you should. There's a book. And there's a whole like methodology. Or maybe it's maybe it's more of like, I don't know which the methodology. It's called sacred commerce. And it talks about this being, you know, capitalism and and it it really can be sacred. And it's meant to do God's work, truly. Um, and not in a way where we're just giving everything away, and not just in a, you know, a charitable way, but how making money is, is sacred. And, you know. The keepers of the money are are shaman business shamans. Like it's just really interesting. So you should you should read that. I'm actually going to read that. Watch my stories. I promise I'll upload it. I can't wait. I love books like that. Yeah. Do you have a favorite yeah. moment of giving? Obviously, it you know it's part of your DNA. Do you have a favorite moment of giving that stands out? Mm, no, I just my whole life is that. Mm, I love that. every. I mean, every moment. Uh, yeah, my whole life is that. I my whole life is that. <laughs> You're in a good place when you you just have so many good moments of generosity. They're blended together that there's not like one pinnacle one that stands out. That's a good place yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, nothing stood out because it's just such. It's embodied. It's just yeah. It's not even significant to you. It's just like well, duh. It's like me brushing my teeth and me getting up and me yeah, <laughs> yeah, right meditating. Is, yeah. Like it's just it's just normal to you. Mm-hmm. Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Um, my website is thepagefiliator.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Page Filiator, and then on Facebook is Page Filiator Leads. Okay, last question for you. Ask sure. everybody this question. Pretty anxious to get your answer, and that's this. Okay. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and wealth? Because being unapologetic, in my opinion, means you have no shame and no guilt, and you need. We need more examples of living life without shame and guilt. Because that's what's keeping us sick, shame and guilt. So you, you, it's the most unselfish thing that you can do is to be self-centered and centered in self. I couldn't agree more. Paige, you're an absolute freaking gift. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your knowledge. There's so many amazing quotables in here. I can't wait for everyone just like eat this episode right up. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Seriously, my pleasure. 
Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.